0: Good morning, morning. and Happy New Year. Thank you. I was reminded this week, as I was preparing for this sermon, Josh, you better start that clock, uh, that uh, the book of James, chapter 3, talks about uh, let not many of you become teachers of the word, Because teachers of the word will be judged more strictly. Uh, That was a great reminder to me that what we do as preachers, Jason, Josh, Jeff, myself, anyone else who stands up here, uh, we are going to be judged more harshly for standing here and interpreting the word of God. I'm happy to see you. It's the first Sunday of the year. Usually the first Sunday in the month uh, in my culture Churches are usually uh, more packed than usual, so I'm happy that you're here on the first Sunday of the year. I'm grateful uh, to have seen another year, 2020. Uh, we all have new habits, I'm sure, or new plans that we're hoping to get to get off the ground. Today is the fifth, and I hope your plans are still going. <laughs> uh, I know I have a plan. Uh, to lose some, you know, right? Because <laughs> my my way of my way of uh, losing weight is just to put a jacket on. Boom, twenty five pounds gone, right? <laughs> and boom, just like that, right? That's how I work it. But I know I got we got to do some things, right? I usually sell, tell when I do the announcements, I say first time visitors. Uh, I like to take people out for meals. I don't like coffee. That might have to change. <laughs> Maybe I'll have a salad with you, okay? You're, as as Jameeman was saying, you want to get better financially. Uh, you want to do good things. You want to steward your money well, your time. You want to get closer to God, right? You want to read your word more, daily, weekly, whatever your plan is, you want to get closer to God, and it is the time of year that people do that. The other thing, the other thing that people say is that they want, to, they want to make a commitment to church, right? You want to come to church. You want to come in the body, you want to be more present, uh, and that's also a, a great goal. We're beginning a series uh, for the next few weeks that we're calling, I think it's up there, Grace Renewed, uh, The Three Loves. The three loves here at Providence are kind of the umbrella through which we preach, we teach, we live with each other. They're on that wall over there if you need to be, if you need to be reminded. We love God together. We love our church family together. We love our neighbor together, right? You can see a common theme there. The theme is together. So when we, are, when we are talking this year, talking this month, we're encouraging you not to just read your Bible by yourself, but to read the Bible together. Not to go out by yourself, but to do those things together. So my question here this morning to you as you stand is, A simple one, but one that I want you to, to reflect on, to think about. The question is, why are you here today? Why do you come to church? I want you to think about that. Why did you come to church today? Ponder that. Why do you come to church why come here? Is it because of the music? Is it the child care? Is it the preaching? Is it because of your friends? Maybe your family makes you come? Is it something to do on a Sunday morning? Or do you come because of tradition? Because that is what you've always done. You don't know any other way to live life. You come to church because it is tradition. Why do you come? Why are you seated here this morning? Simon Sinek is a, is a, is a best-selling New York Times best-selling author, and he wrote a book called Start With Why. That book was one of, he's not a Christian to the best of my knowledge, but that book is a leadership book, uh, and it talks about when you start something, you start a habit, or you start a business, or you start a, something different, you must define what the why is. Why you do something is greater than what you're doing or how you're doing that thing. We know how to get here, we know how to get to church, we know how to act in church, we know what we are supposed to do in church, we know what happens at church, but you cannot, some of us cannot, we struggle with articulating why. People ask you, some of you guys who work, you go to work tomorrow, and the question might be asked, what did you do this weekend? How do you answer that question? See, what's unique about this city, as opposed to many parts of this country, is that the question isn't always, what did you do this weekend? Or what, what church did you go to? The question is, you go to church? <laughs> Where I lived, right, I, 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 from the age of 14 to 24, I lived in the, in the state of Maryland. Most people went to Church. They may not be able to articulate why they go to church, but they do. Not so in this city in our context. You go to your jobs next week or tomorrow morning, people say, What'd you do this weekend? If you're honest, if you're like me, when I was a teacher, and you know, I try to gloss over, I just tell them what I did on Saturday. <laughs> because I didn't know how to articulate what I do on Sundays. Anybody with me? See the timidity in that answer comes from the inability to articulate why. Our culture has so many options for Sunday morning. So many options. Syrup. Snooze. (laughs) Are available. And you know that because you're laughing. (laughs) The mountains scream your name. If you're like me, you need to get out there and and know if you're like me, if you're not like me, because I never get out there. Can't do it. Too cold. Can't do it. <laughs> you want to ski. Snowboard. When the weather gets warmer, you want to hike. It's a perfect day to hike, Sunday morning. And for goodness sakes, if you're anything like me when I was younger, and the temptation is still there today is to attend the f- my favorite church, which is Bedside Baptist. <laughs> if you don't know what Bedside Baptist is, I'm not picking on Baptist. Bedside Baptist is people who sit in their bed and listen to Pastor Pillowcase give a sermon. <laughs> you just roll over, and you can flip Pastor Pillowcase over, and it's cool, and you're back in there. That's Bedside That's Bedside Baptist. That temptation is always there on Sunday morning. So why do you come? Cultural norms will implicitly tell you and insist that church will restrict your freedom. Church will make you uncomfortable. And the tension in your heart becomes the fight between your freedom and individuality as an American versus your community and submission. I'll repeat that. The tension in your heart will become freedom and individuality versus community and submission. Because when you step in here, there is a sense of community, there's a sense that you must submit. You don't control everything, right? It's easier to be free, to get on I-70 and go. It's easier to sleep in. It's easier to go to syrup. See, we want both of those things. And we want both of those things on our terms. We want our individuality on our terms. And we want community on our terms. I'll explore that. Sure, there is freedom in going to the mountains every weekend. But in this culture, in this time, in this city, loneliness abounds. and the community we desire is available, but we don't know how to get there. If it's getting too quiet, it's all right. This is a glasses off kind of sermon. I can see that clock and it's gone. See, religion will tell you that you need to be here. The culture will tell you you need freedom. Religion will tell you, you need to be here because of all the wrong reasons, because of tradition, because you need to be seen, you need to put up some kind of front to say, I was in church, you need to check that off, whatever box you check it off, right? You need to be here, that's what religion will tell you, this is what you're supposed to do, attendance in church becomes the end and not the means, I was talking to a good friend of mine this week and they told me a story that I thought I'd share. He was saying somebody he knew in a church did not miss church for 25 straight years. Even when he was on vacation, he went to a church. There's a good thing there, but there's also an end there. You understand what I'm saying? His church gave out an attendance award at the end of the year. (laughs) We think that's, it's funny, but it's not funny. That's not, you see, then the attendance becomes what you're going for. You're missing the point. Oh, my glasses is not there. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25 is where we are. I'm going to give you two reasons why you should come to church and be a part of a local church. And I will challenge you this year on how to do that. For the sake of context, I uh, may wish you read from 19 to 25, but I want to stay right between 23 and 25. And it says this. If you have your Bibles or your devices, stay with me. It says, Those three verses, sometimes I disagree with, with uh, biblical translations. Verse 25 is, uh, uses what's called an implied imperative, right? 23 says, let us. 24 says, let us. 25, in my, in, in my humble opinion, should say let us, right? Everything is in the plural, but in 25, in this translation, it has given us the implied imperative, let us, it says not neglecting, not neglecting. And some translations said not abandoning, not abandoning to meet together. The first reason you need to go to church is the hope in Jesus Christ comes through the local church. <laughs> Only Ray say it, man. But, I'm, no, uh, uh, but let me say this. Because it sounds it sounds like the Sunday school answer. Jesus. The reason you go to church? Jesus. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like it? Right? It, it, it sounds like a, a glittering generality. Right? Jesus is the answer. Uh, I bet those kids in there, oh, you know, when the, teacher, the Sunday school teachers ask them a question. You can't go wrong with Jesus. Right? But let's delve deeper. Hope in Jesus is a choice. This is where, this is where we find hope. In the local church, success is not merit based. You can't earn Jesus Christ through things you do. It's not, it's not a meritocracy. It's not how many times you come. That's not the point. When I was an athlete, my, my coaches always, one of my coaches always told me, he said, this is a meritocracy. If you're good enough, you'll get on the field. If you're not good enough, you'll sit on the bench. Not so with Jesus. See, our faith is strengthened through regular com- communication, conversations, teaching, and debate. And you know where that happens? It happens here. It helps us find a way. Jesus Christ helps us find a way to relate to our culture. What you're doing right now is very countercultural. And tomorrow morning, someone will ask you, what did you do yesterday? Like I said, you will have trouble articulating what you did, right? Right? Why? Because you need a way to relate to our culture in a different way. What we do here is countercultural in a less than hopeful world where anxiety abounds. Depression is everywhere. You see it. You come here to get encouraged, to have hope. In Jesus Christ, who is true, he came, he died, so that we may live. I shouldn't give him a secret, but I did have a cup of coffee. That's, that's what this is. But that's all right. Sometimes the Holy Spirit comes through that. I'm going to drift a little bit, but I want you to stay with me. On watch night, which is uh, December 31st every year, my, the tradition that I came from is we celebrate on that night. It's very countercultural in America. Everywhere else in the world, at least in West Africa where I come from, it's completely normal, right? And, and this year when I was preparing for that service, I started preparing to find a history of that night, December 31st, right? Well, we watched the ball drop, which I, I don't know what that tradition is, but we watched the ball drop into the new year, the new calendar year. Let me tell you the history a little bit so you can understand why people gather, why hope abounds in here, right? Yeah. Let, me, let, me, let me go there. In this country, 150, 200 years ago, there were slaves. Slaves were held against their will to do work and never got paid, and they were beaten, right? On December 31st, every year, when the debts needed to be settled between slave owners, they would actually trade slaves. If you owed someone else something, you would give them one of your slaves. And here's what that did. It separated families. Mothers would lose their kids. Fathers would lose their wives, and and, and their families were separated. And they were sent to different farms, sometimes never to be seen again. Can you imagine that? December 31st was that night that the slaves knew that the next day a lot of them would be on the courthouse steps where they would be separated from their families. So on December 31st, they gathered together to pray and sing hallelujah anyhow because they knew they may not see each other again. When January 1st dawned, people were separated. But December 31st, continues today because it's not always bad news because God redeems. That hope that those people prayed for years and years ago is something that we live through today. Their prayer may not have been answered those nights, but like Kevin said, we win anyhow. So on January 1st, 1863, actually September 22nd, 1862, when, when, when uh, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, it went into effect on January 1st. So that December 31st to January 1st went from a dire night of hopelessness to a great night of redemption through Jesus Christ. It went from a day of heartbreak to a day of celebration. Those people gathered and encourage each other in a local church. We may not have called it a local church, but doggone it, that's what it was. They pushed each other to prayer and singing. They were together. They experienced victory over separation, victory over death. In a world that we live in today that is no longer, that no longer tilts towards traditional Christianity, the local church stands as a hope in an imperfect world. Hope in Christ, my brothers and sisters, comes through the local church. Verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. To stir up one another to love and good works. Like I said, I would touch on this This idea of individualism that conflicts with our community. When we come to church, if we don't know why, sometimes we struggle. What am I going to get out of this? What am I going to get out of this? I rarely get anything out of this, some people will say. I don't want to hang with people I don't know and I don't like. It's countercultural, folks. Countercultural in in the big sense, but also countercultural in another way. Culturally, we all live in our little subcultures. And we like to find people that are like us to hang out with. I know I like to find people who like soccer, right? who like tea, who like fufu, who like chicken feet, but those people are few and far between. (laughs) There aren't many orphans uh, from West Africa who like chicken feet and (laughs) soccer, right? So it's constant. So the search that we have of looking for people that are like us is hard, and we make it hard. You will probably never find anybody exactly like you. That's God's design. Some of you might come in there today and say, Man, I come in and I'm not noticed. No one sees me when I get here. I know on the streets they say it's good to be seen, good to be seen, right? To see it and be seen. I will say to that person, Come not to be noticed. But to notice someone else. Come to encourage someone else. Because it's not about you, it's about us. Come to be a blessing to someone else. Your presence here matters to someone else. Come and help to meet the needs of those in our community that need things. Come and add your voice to the conversation. Your presence here encourages. I can tell you how many times I come in here and I'm sitting there and I hear a testimony that is encouraging. Or I have a conversation out in the hallway that was somebody that I probably would never hang out with that is encouraging to me. You can't have, I don't know what that phrase is, that Americans say, your cake and eat it too? <laughs> See, we, what does that mean? <laughs> you can't have the cake and eat it too? Somebody will explain that to me at the end of the service. Because I've used it because everybody else uses it, but I'm not quite sure what it means. Oh, when you eat it, you no longer have it. So you can't have it and eat it. Who said that? Thank you, Val. That's what I'm talking about. see that? You see that? Val just blessed me. We share a heavenly call and an earthly existence. You and I have a social responsibility to each other, to love one another. And that will not just happen if you stay home in Side Baptist. (laughs) It needs to be worked at. Love doesn't just happen, right? You know that, right? You need to love people. You need to show them. You need to be here. If you're not engaged in good works towards each other, it doesn't work. The hopeless world needs to see that from the church. Needs to see the church loving God together. It can't happen, folks, when we're inconsistent. Let me illustrate this another way. Let me make it a little personal. When you come here, you come not because you're filled, not because you're clean, but because you need help. I'm going to go a little deeper. I was trying to find a word of how I was going to say this in church. But we funky. When I was a kid, I didn't like to take showers. After a while, you get used to your funkiness. You can't smell yourself. Everybody understand what I'm saying? You don't have to admit it, but I bet you do. When you take a shower, it solves the problem temporarily. But you can't say I took one shower and then I'm done. Like the shower is good, it's gonna stretch out into, Sunday's shower's gonna make it to Thursday. Someone has to tell you, you're funky. I grew up in a church that you would tap your neighbor and tell them something, I'm not going to let you do that. (laughs) Tap your neighbor and say, no, okay, we won't do that. You need a shower. When someone tells you you need a shower, that's love. That's love in action. You may not think you need a shower, Oh, you just took one. See, our sanctification depends on us having regular showers. I'm going to go there a little bit more. Our physical bodies need showers because our bodies naturally ooze sweat and funkiness and it comes out, (laughs) and we need showers. Our spiritual bodies need to be sanctified, and that comes through spiritual showering. And that's what you get here. The longer you're away from the community of people looking at you and telling you things about yourself that you may not want to hear, the funkier you get and the less you can smell yourself, and then you get away. This is why sometimes when we don't see people for two, three, four weeks, six months, we realize that person starts to fall away because they don't have anybody in their life tell them love. Tell them, man, you're funky. You need to get back up in here, right? Our spiritual bodies ooze out sin that has to be dealt with. Sometimes you can't see it. Sometimes you need somebody to hand you a breath mint, a spiritual breath mint. People will come running back spiritually when they get spiritually sick. See, so if you don't shower long enough physically, something happens. You get sick. If you, don't shower long, if you don't shower for long enough spiritually, you get sick. And then when people return, they have all these issues because you haven't been taking regular showers. I'll leave that now. Lastly, the word says... Do not neglect meeting together. Here's a challenge. All those verses says, let us, let us, let us, right? First person plural. Our culture will tell you, you don't need church. There are many other things you can do. The more influential people you can hang out with. There are cooler people, I'm sure, that you can find to hang out with on this time, right? Religion will also tell you, attendance is the goal, Here's what the gospel will tell you. Here's what the gospel will tell you. That you need to love one another, and there is no place, no better place than the local church for loving broken people. For loving unshowered people. For loving people that you may not otherwise talk to or get along with. Right? It is very uncomfortable to hang out with people that you wouldn't normally hang out with. You don't understand their problems. They don't understand your culture. But you're together, and that's how Showers happen. <laughs> I won't go there. <laughs> the Christian life is not solitary. This passage and all over the New Testament is marked by first person plural pronouns we, us, the church. Let us love God together. Where else in the world can you be and truthfully claim that there are better days ahead? Where else can you have the unwavering hope that does not depend on what you do, but what has been done for you? We need a reminder of where we are headed. Here's my challenge to you. My challenge to you this year in 2020 is to live counter-culturally by making a commitment to this group to be here as often as you can. I'm going to go a little deeper. Despite your circumstances, come. In spite of your circumstances, come. When you don't feel like coming, come. When When you feel alone, Come. Sickness or vacation can keep you away. But if you have a Sunday morning, you don't have anything else to do, and you say, I don't feel like going to church today, that's when you should come. Make a commitment to yourself. The bar is very low. The bar is very low. Make a commitment to yourself this year, sometime in the next 52 Sundays. So, you know what? I'm going to try to be here for consecutive Sundays. It may be four, maybe five, maybe six. Come. Make a commitment to yourself and to your community to be here because your presence matters here. I was reading a book, still reading a book, that was handed to me by Penny Clark in September. And she was saying, she said, Marcus, you've got to read this book. You've got to read this book. You've got to read this book. So I picked it up in December and I started reading it. And I had to slow down. It's a book by David Platt called Something Has to Change. He was talking about his journey in the Himalayan mountains way above 18,000 feet, and he's seeing things that he'd never seen before. People with medical needs can from find a hospital. People have never heard of Jesus Christ. And he was going on his journey four or five days, I'm not sure, a week, and he got, to a high, he got to a high point where there was a village, and he was waiting to rest. As he was resting in that cold weather, the sun was setting, and the folks were saying, hey, we're going to have a little service up here. And he was nervous, and he looked out onto the mountain and said, he hasn't seen anything quite so beautiful before. And he saw torches coming up the mountain, little lights walking up. And he was, he was getting nervous. He's like, I don't know who's coming up. So he called somebody and said, hey, what's going on down on, on, that, on that mountain? The man looked at him and said, those people coming up in the darkness with torches have been walking for two hours in this weather, in this altitude, to come so we can have service tonight in a crammed little room. I'm not trying to shame anyone. I'm just saying my house is nine traffic lights away. (laughs) And I drive here. I do not walk here. right? So those obstacles are out of my way. What I'm saying is that we don't have the obstacles that we think we do come. What can you expect when you do come? What can you expect? You can expect to be greeted with a smiling face. You can expect to be welcomed. You can expect to sing corporately, maybe longer than most. Maybe in different languages than you're used to. But that's what community is. Something happens to my soul when we sing in French. It may not happen to you, but it does to me. You can come and expect folks to share their testimonies so that you're encouraged. You can come and expect corporate prayer. You can come and expect to be prayed for right here. You can come and expect to have fellowship time where you can greet someone that, that looks like they're sitting alone. Even if you're sitting alone. You can expect the sermon to be 35 minutes. <laughs> Not because I need to tell you everything on my mind, but because we like to take the text apart, to bridge the gap from the first century theologically, culturally, and linguistically. Because the Bible was written in a time, and a place, and in a culture that we are not familiar with today. So I I can't do a 10-minute microwave sermon because I need to explain that and because I'm African. (laughs) We have a two-hour service. It's not a microwave service. We're not packaging it and send you out to get another group in and send them out. Because community is done together and it takes time to get to know people. You said, man, two hours is a long time. The average Hollywood movie is 110 minutes. And we watch them. Not only do we watch them, we tell other people to watch them. (laughs) Maybe some of the ladies in here can identify, but definitely the men can identify that it's the average football game. No, 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 no. <laughs> 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 A- against Jerome Swisher's, I gotta tell you, Jerome, the average. Soccer. I'll I'll get to soccer. <laughs> I'll get to soccer. The average football game on TV is 3 hours and 12 minutes. Hey, we all know they don't do one game. It's a doubleheader. There's an there's a afternoon game, there's a mid-afternoon game, and for goodness sake, there's Sunday night football. How do I know that? I know. <laughs> Think about it. That's nine hours. And if you're a college football fan, there's Saturdays too. It's 12 hours yet to be seated seated in here and get encouraged and hug somebody and love somebody. He said two hours is too long. As I close this morning, I want to urge you, last thing, is to linger. Linger around the people of God. There are some of you who come late because you don't want to talk to nobody. <laughs> you, may, you may not sing, you may not be engaged. You sit and listen to the sermon. You may not take notes. You may get one a line or two. And as soon as the service is out, you're out. Like the bell just rang from your math class. <laughs> <laughs> and no wonder you can't articulate why you come to church. Because yeah. you came, you didn't talk to anybody. You barely engage in the worship time. You barely listen to the sermon and you got something. And then when, the, when, the, when, when service is done, you're gone. Linger. Talk to somebody. Allow somebody to talk to you. Because in our culture, we're good at hiding. You may sit in a room full of people, but you're hiding. What are you hiding? This is the very place you can get help. Linger. Don't leave here today. Don't leave here every week without engaging somebody in some way and encouraging somebody in some way. Linger. Stay after. We have our own building now. We don't have to get out. Eventually, I got locked the doors, but I want you to linger. I want you to think about loving God Together. Bow your heads with me. Father God, I pray and thank you for using my voice to articulate your truths. I thank you for the hearts and minds here today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for our community. We thank you for our church. You are King of kings and Lord of lords, and you are absolutely the king, the truth, the light. We depend on you for everything. Lord, may we not walk out of here without finding a word of encouragement or giving a word of encouragement. Teach us what we don't know. Show us what we can't see. Help us to move closer to you this year. In Jesus' name, amen.